created live on Fireside. Welcome to it, folks. This is Doing It Sober Live, coming across to you all over the globe. My name is Chris Nell from South Africa. If you are here for the very first time, well, from me to you, a blessed 2023. Daniela is in the background, but today will be a solo show. Before we get to Jared quickly, I would just like to take this opportunity, as I was trying to say earlier, to our guests who are busy streaming in. If you've got any questions for any of our guests, you're more than welcome to pop them in. We obviously do the feature segment where we have a chat with the guest and then we open the floor to you. But seeing that people are still pouring in, let's make use of this time to introduce a wonderful gentleman by the name of Jarrett J. Krasoska. I got the last name right, didn't I, Jarrett? You did, yes. Yes, you did, Chris. <laughs> I studied it. Jarrett J. Krasoska, as you know, the man known since boyhood by the initials JJK, is both a New York Times bestselling author and illustrator behind more than 40 titles under his belt aimed at young readers, including the wildly popular Lady Lunch graphic novels, some select volumes of the Star Wars Jedi Academy series, and of course his trademark title, Hey Kiddo, which saw him accumulate accolades for the National Book Award. Mr. Krasaska creates books peppered with humor, some heart, and as well a deep respect for his young readers. All qualities which have made his titles perennial favorites on bookshelves of homes, libraries, as well as bookstores for the past 20 years. And that's not something to frown at. In addition to his work in print, Mr. Krasaska is also a versatile personality, having produced, directed, and performed in the full cast audiobook adaptation of said graphic novels. His trademark title has garnered both Audi and Odyssey Awards for namely excellence in audiobook production. The Lunch Lady audiobook cast is led by none other than Kate Flannery from The Office fame and is rounded out by famed audiobook narrators as well as real kid actors. As part of his media exposure, Mr. Krasowski has been a guest on the NPR staple Fresh Air with Terry Gross, has been profiled in the New York Times newspaper, was featured on Good Morning America, and has delivered a triple TEDx talk. My, 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 the man certainly has talent. Uh, of course, which his talks have accrued millions of views online. Mr. Krasowski has garnered millions of more views online via the tutorials he has produced via YouTube and TikTok as well as working on his literature and the film and, adapt, uh, film and TV adaptations thereof. Mr. Krasowska has also written as screenwriter for The Snoopy Show, which is streaming on Apple TV Plus at the moment, and has also served as a consultant for Creative Galaxy on Prime Video, and has also appeared on live segments. That sure is a mouthful. The man joins us here today to tell us about his background and his media work and a hell of a lot more. Mr. Krasowska, Welcome to Doing It Sober Live. It's an honor. Uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me. So, because we've got such a finite amount of time with you, quickly take us back. You grew up the child of an addict, right? Yeah. So, my, my birth mother had an addiction to heroin. Uh, so, she uh, gave me up for adoption to, my, to her parents, my maternal grandparents. They, you know, undiagnosed or undeclared alcoholics they they drink quite a bit my birth father who i did not meet until i was 17 uh has been in recovery for for several years for alcoholism fantastic and am i wrong to make the assumption that this has been the the fire the 
absolute ember to what would lead you to take your experiences and then put it into something positive for your writing work? Yes. Yeah, see, my my uh, my mother was also a very talented artist. So when she spent the majority of my childhood incarcerated or in halfway homes, and she would send me drawings that she would make of Snoopy, Charlie Brown, or any of the cartoon characters like that I loved at the time. And so we would send these drawings back and forth. And I could, growing up, I could always see that she had this just immense talent to create art, to draw characters. But because of her addiction, she just she was never able to do anything with it. I have to share something with you now that you mentioned that. Um, I'm also in the entertainment business myself. And as a boy, I loved animation. I loved cartoons. I loved drawing. But having grown in a similar environment, not nonetheless, not as severe as what you have been exposed to, sir, but more or less in the same criteria, um, that more or less got away from me throughout my childhood. But as an adult, I reconnected with my love for the things unseen, the imaginary. Whenever you began, and I'm assuming Hey Kiddo was your first uh, entry into the literature world and then eventually evolved from there, right? No, no, no. Hey Kiddo was probably my 40th book. So okay. it was my, I, I, several younger titles, picture books, graphic novels for kids before that. Hey Kiddo was my first young adult title. So the first, first ah. book I had. Right. That, uh, that was more mature in nature than my other work. Naturally. But when you start doing work for kids, the actual question I should be asking, it must be really fulfilling something that must have left a void in your younger years. Am I correct in that assumption? Well, you know, uh, fictional characters, you know, are a lot of kids' first best friends, right? And so books oh, were always a safe, books were a safe space for me and... Uh, comics were a means of es escapism. And so it's what I enjoyed doing. I, I loved using my imagination. I loved drawing. I just poured myself into that work. And so for me, it really was a matter of wanting to be able to make a go at it, being able to make a career out of using my gifts that I was given through my mother. And in a way to, to, fulfill something that she wasn't able to fulfill with those with those same skills. Mm -hmm. Do you think that through the work that you've done, especially with children, and I'm assuming as well that your work has reached out to youngsters who have been in similar backgrounds, what has been the response between your audience and the work that you've produced so far? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing that I get to create these characters, I get to draw these pictures and create these books that then become a part of people's childhood, part of their upbringing, a part of their collective memory of going to the school library or having a, a, a favorite book read to them by a parent at night. And And I've been published for um, coming up on 22 years now. And so I'm at the point now where I'm hearing from grown adults who have fond memory, have these fond memories, you know, so uh, that is uh, so incredibly rewarding and fulfilling to think that I could have elicited that same wonder in somebody that, that I received from, from the books that I loved reading as a kid. Well, there's a lovely quote that I would like to share with you. Michael Ironside said once, uh, he, like you, wanted to be in the literature world, but then he ultimately became the character actor that we all know, Free Willy, Total Recall and the like. But his writing work got, won him a prize. And his parents said to a local reporter, 
We can't afford to send our children anywhere, but we can send them everywhere in books. Now, if you look at the methodology of the way literature today, irregardless of genre, is being spread out throughout all the world, nothing beats either a hardcover, but still the convenience of uh, these ebooks are starting to accumulate more and more and more. There is a lie that the hardcover books will ultimately fade away, but I'm still an optimist in that it's an absolute fallacy. The fact remains standing is the work that you've been doing as both illustrator and author has been rubbing off on these kids, and it's evident that the themes that you bring in has had a positive effect and must really make you swell on the inside, thinking that you can take your experiences, turn it into something positive, and dare I say, ensure a better tomorrow for our youth. Well, I appreciate that. Yes. And uh, just, uh, you know, with with Hey Kiddo, for the very fact that my, my, my name is on the spine of the book, tells the reader that everything can turn out okay, you know, and, um, you know, for kids who have not lived an experience in dealing with addiction, having put that story out there can help them understand what their peers are going through. Uh, but likewise, if I, we all as authors, and and so many of my colleagues say this, we write for the kids that we were. And so had I been able to see an adult who had lived in a very similar situation, I would have been gobsmacked because, you know, I thought I was the only one. I'm, I'm the only one being raised by grandparents. I'm the only one who has a mother in jail, or I'm the only one whose mother has a drug problem, you know, and that's so, mm -hmm. certainly so, so, so far from the truth. Um, and so, and whether that is a more intense book like Hey Kiddo, or if it's a very lighthearted book like the Lunch Lady series or Jedi Academy, uh, a kid could still connect with that goofy story, uh, but might also be able to connect to the fact that I was raised by my grandparents, which I have, you know, in, in all of my bio stuff on, on my website so, so that young readers could see that, that little bit that's, oh, like, I'm, maybe I'm being, that kid's being raised by an uncle or what have you. Mm, mm. Very good answer. Let's get a little bit technical, you and I, because as I read in your bio, you're not just an author and an illustrator, you also branched out into audio production, which you can agree with me is a very rare art. And I say that for a reason. I came from the radio background. If you were a DJ, you were a DJ exclusively. If you were a producer, you're a producer exclusively. Now, you will know this as well as I. Leonard Melton said it best. We are in the age of the amateur, meaning what exactly? Everything is up for grabs. You can try anything. You can expand on your portfolio because as technology marches forward, dare I say human resources has come down drastically. But you took it as a challenge in that, right, now they're going to adapt my work into another uh, genre or another medium, shall I say, how can I try and see if I can make this still true to my vision? And before you know it, you're casting the actors, you're casting the voice talent, and you gave direction. I think I should revert quickly by asking, you didn't study to become either a writer or illustrator. It was all experience that led you to this point, didn't it? I mean, for I have a, I hold a Bachelor's of Fine Arts in Illustration. Um, okay. I took every writing course I could get my hands on in college. Uh, I'd always flirted with acting and that sort of work growing up. 
but you know, in, in large part, everything I'm doing does connect directly to what I was doing as a young person. So, you know, I, I ended up doing this, the school play. I had a camcorder in which on the weekends, my friends and I would make movies, you know, we would make our own comedy skits and I didn't realize at the time, but I was, I was directing and editing as I went. And, um, so the audiobook production really was like a, a sort of direct, you know, connection to that. I even found an old uh, tape from a tape player in which I created a sort of radio play of the 1989 Batman movie with like oh, a friend. So uh, when, when Hey Kiddo was being adapted for audio in 2019, uh, there was no roadmap for us on how a graphic novel would be adapted for audio. And so one, uh, no, there was, there was maybe one or two other graphic novels that had previously been adapted. Uh, they had just, they had just been released. Right. So, um, for one is one of the main thing that we learned pretty quickly is anything that's told with the visuals needs to have an audible component. And that could be that's additional amazing. narration. It could be additional dialogue. It could be soundscape. It could be sound effects, something as simple as if there's a frame where the character is just looking unhappy, getting the voice actor to go. Um, and so, yeah, we adapted the script. Uh, we cast, um, in the case of Hey Kiddo, because it's a story of my life, we actually cast the real people to voice themselves, you know, and, um, right. and from that experience, we adapted my lunch lady audio, my lunch lady books for audio. And, and that's where Kate Flannery from the office came in. And um, uh, and now I, I have a new graphic memoir coming out in April called Sunshine, and it's about I have a it's one of the review copies, uh, and it's about my time working at a camp for uh, children who had cancer, and so we're in, we're in the midst of production for this as well, um, and I I built out a little audio booth here in my basement to make it easier for me to record my fam my kids all voice characters and and all of my productions. Um, you know, my friends' kids and my kids' friends all participate. In <laughs> That's awesome. And tell me, uh, did you record and uh, direct rather via ISDN? Um, well, I here. I'm gonna see if I can flip the camera around. You can um, if you want to. It's just well, a, I have just a, just a little recording with right over there. <laughs> and I so I have, I, I have uh, as well. people come right into that little corner. It's a tiny, tiny little booth. And um, you need to make sure no one is, you know, running or being wild upstairs. Um, sure, sure. If I'm not able to get to where the person is recording, like they'll be recording in their spot with good recording technology and some other recording studio, I typically will I'll come in via Zoom to just listen in. Ah. No clever, because that's where the industry is going nowadays. Oh no, where'd the sound go? Hold on a second. Did I lose your sound again? Well, how did that happen? No. One second, one second. One, two, one, one two, second. one, two. One, there two. you are, there you are. <laughs> Why is my phone doing this? The internet, man, it can be your best friend and it can be your worst enemy. Oh, and worst enemy, right? Yeah, let's see, hold on. <laughs> go for it, oh, Jared, no rush. Take there your time, man. There you are, there you are. 518. I just want to make sure I do have to run in a little bit and I want to make sure I get to everything that you like you want to talk about too. I'm not going to be long, mate. I'm not going to be long. <laughs> I've still got just two more questions. Sure, sure. Um, 
What I would like to say is, first of all, you've done wonderful work. And I love the way your imagination works. I love that uh, studio of yours. It's more or less in the same as my office studio. Um, What I would like to ask is, have you gotten any mentorship in the sense that when you started writing Hey Kiddo, did someone nudge you and say, you know what, take your experiences, put it down on paper because there are other people who have the same uh, who have walked the same path, if not lesser or even more worse, or was it just something that you ultimately felt you needed to do? Both. So, I mean, I think that we're surrounded by mentors and I think we're always taking on new mentors, right? So, and those might not be people we ever even meet. So for me, growing up, I have never, never met Beverly Cleary, but her work meant so much to me. And so I would consider her a mentor. When uh, I started thinking about writing Hey Kiddo back in 2000, 2000, yeah, not 2000 and just 2000, I had my first book contract. I was getting my, my first book was published in 2001. And I thought maybe, well, that's the happy ending for that kid. And so I tried writing about my life and I realized I wasn't emotionally ready for it. In part because also I was, at that time I was 22 years old, I was still too close to it. You know, and I, I needed a more macro view of the whole situation. Uh, certainly becoming a parent myself helped me understand my mother a, a lot more in that um, how difficult that must have been to have let go of that child, right? Knowing that there's mm-hmm. nothing that's going to get between you and, and tending to, to that child of yours. Uh, and over the years, I was writing this younger skewing stuff. David Levithan, who ultimately became my editor, he's an author friend of mine, really encouraged me to write for an older audience. He said, you have a voice for young adult literature. And I said, I really want to someday. And he said, look, here's the thing. Every time I see you, I'm going to ask you if you started writing for young adults. And if the answer is no, you are to give me $5 and it will double in perpetuity forever until you start writing. So... I had to give him $5 and I had to give him $10 and then I had to give him $20. And, and it got to the point where I was having lunch with him at a book festival and I had to stop off at the ATM to get 40 bucks to hand to him. Uh, oh, and, and then uh, that first Ted talk I delivered was kind of by accident. I was, I was a last minute addition to this roster. And by last minute, I mean, I had about six or seven hours uh, from the time they invited me, the, t- the time my feet took, has hit that stage and and it was my wife Gina who said you know you should talk about your childhood like just be open about what you dealt with and so that was the first time I spoke of it publicly and I had been thinking about maybe writing a book about my life before that but when that talk went big and I met so many young people in every state I mean it wouldn't matter red state blue state suburban urban rural like private or public school everywhere I went I met some young person and some adult somewhere within the school system whose life was affected by addiction. So it really was a switch from like, oh, here's a story I I always thought I might want to write. And I had a real, it's not about wanting to, it's about needing to, it's about feeling one, I I need to for me, but I also feel the obligation to, because I've lived this life and I have a very unique way in which to convey this experience. And that's through words and pictures. That's great stuff. And then, Jared, in closing, 
when Heikido ultimately became wholesale, what was the hope of ultimately, how can it help children? How did that more or less come to be? You know, I had a lot of fear before it was published because it's a lot more intense than a, a lunch lady fighting off evil robots with fish sticks, right? Which is what I'm, what I'm known for. And I had, to, I, when I wrote it, I also knew I couldn't cherry pick and I had to tell it fully as is, including every cuss word that came out of my grandmother's mouth in between her puffs of, of her cigarettes, you know? And, um, and so I had this fear of like, oh, like, what if this is fully not accepted? You know, what if, what if this is somehow like ruining my career? Because I'm known as the happy lunch lady guy. And now I'm writing about this intense oh. stuff. And, 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 you know, I guess, I guess it was sort of like the equivalent of a, com a comedian who then took on a serious role and then was nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, ah, it's kind of what it felt like. Um, because uh, people accepted it wholeheartedly. I don't think people were expecting it. And um, people connected with it because there's something, This the math doesn't add up, but the more specific you are about your story, the more universal it becomes. So my story is a story about this white kid in the early 1990s in Worcester, Massachusetts, dealing with his parents' addiction. And it doesn't matter where I go, like there's so many people who connect to that. There's so many people who have families that are shattered because of addiction or have their, their other issues. And so I, I think that's why it really resonated with people. Well, you know what, Jared, on that note, I really have to congratulate you for all the work that you've done. And you've said it yourself in just a very long-winded manner, you never know what you're going to get unless you try. And that brings Doing It Sober Live to an end. A marvelous thank you goes out to Jared J. Krasowska for all the wonderful work that he has done. And if you have missed out on the live edition of this episode, you're more than welcome to catch up on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Until we see you again next time, remember always, life is better when you're doing it sober. We'll see you again next time. Look after yourself. Goodbye. Jared, nothing Thank but the you. best, eh? Appreciate Bye -bye. it. Thank you. Bye now.